Greetings, everyone. You have arrived at our podcast, Within the Mist, where we will take you on a journey to uncover cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries. I'm your host, Gary, and this is my wonderful wife, Goldie Ann, joining me as co-host. Hello, Goldie Ann. Why do you keep changing stuff? You're killing my OCD. You answered your own question. Oh. As an announcement, we will be attending Paracon at the Heard Opera House on October 14th. Very important for everyone to remember this. If you're in the Tampa Bay area and you want to come to Arcadia, Florida, please join us because we will be giving a live show where members of the audience will be able to share their ghost stories or creature features or maybe sightings of something strange. We want you to share your stories on our show live on October 14th at Paracon at the Heard Opera House. Also, on October 28th at Diane's Tea Room in Kissimmee, Florida, we will be hosting a Ghost Tales evening. So, for those of you who want to have a dinner with a more spooky flair on it on October 28th, you can join Within the Mist as we tell ghost stories during your evening meal. That's going to be fun. Links to both of these events will be in the show notes or on our social media. So please join us. This is a great way to see us live, I guess. Things you won't hear on the podcast. Definitely not. Or definitely not things I can edit out. Right. But first, a word from our sponsor. Welcome back. With... Our theme of today, Goldian, do you know what you call a goblin with an injured leg? A hobgoblin? Very close. Very good. You call him a hoblin goblin. Oh, so close. There aren't really that many goblin jokes out there. It was kind of hard to find a dad joke about goblins. But today's story does involve an evil holy man and an evil worse monster lurking in the woods. The events of today's story may be upsetting to some of our listeners. We are storytellers that will tell you tales about some of our most beloved creatures of the night. We don't intend to scare you. Well, actually we do a little. Listener discretion is always advised. Why are you changing stuff? It's the scary season. I'm trying to frighten you. For today's story, the main source came from an S.E. Schlosser who retold the tale of the Goblin of Easton. I have taken that short tale and embellished on it to create today's show, but at the core, it is still that timeless legend of Pennsylvania. And so... We begin. Groups of Pennsylvania locals would gather around campfires to tell tall tales of hauntings and mysterious creatures, spinning stories that became more elaborate with each telling. Even the most skeptical listener couldn't help but be drawn in by the eerie details, and all of them felt a chill wash over them as the night grows darker. In eastern Pennsylvania, visitors can find plenty to explore in the city of almost 30,000 people. Yet, this is also a town of shadows, 
with tales of a dark secret passed down through the generations. It involves strange disappearances and sightings back to the late 1800s. Rumors still swirl of unspeakable horror lurking in the shadows of the town's past. Legend has it that in the forest outside of Easton, there is a monstrous specter of a holy man transformed into an embodiment of pure wickedness. People say that this creature still lingers around the area to this very day. Join us as we delve within the mists of Pennsylvania to discover the legend of the Easton Goblin. <laughs> Chapter 1 an unholy, holy man. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> Once I tell you about this man, you'll make sense. Okay. During the 1880s, pioneers tried to carve out a life for themselves. Including them was a troop of monks who were also looking for the same, an opportunity to serve God in their way and to serve the population of the new town. It was said that a certain monk from this local monastery visited Easton shortly after its founding. The friendly monk wore a brown robe in his sandals, and his head was capped with a hood. His face was framed by a short brown beard, matching the color of his kind eyes. He strode with his walking staff, and he spoke gently to everyone, radiating both warmth and understanding. In fact, he was so well-liked by the town people that they would line up at his door at the friary in the early morning hours to share their troubles, seeking solace in his quiet words. He soon became a trusted confidant for many in the town, known for dispensing wise advice with genuine compassion and patience. He bowed his head in reverence to their words of struggle, regret, sin and guilt pouring from their trembling lips. He offered sage advice and gentle encouragement during their times of need. The monk had grown in power over the years, and his intimidating stare seemed to pierce even the most heavily guarded secrets. If you looked closely, over time, there was a hint of madness as he sat in his office confessional, listening to sin and guilt after sin and guilt. He realized that this was a chance to exploit their guilt and coerce them into paying outrageous prices for his services. He would listen intently as the wealthy penitents detailed their sins, and he was only too eager to accept donations for absolution and forgiveness and some even paid hefty sums of money to be relieved of their guilt. After each of these sessions, he would walk into the courtyard and look to the sky, laughing as each confession brought him more and more wealth. His eyes widened with greed as he accepted more and more riches. His desire for wealth grew with each strike of fortune. Forgetting his vow of poverty, he now became a man of greed, and he was unsatisfied with just payments from those seeking to trade money for forgiveness. 
he began to demand that unless all of the residents gave him what he wanted, when he wanted, he would go to great lengths to reveal their deep, dark, long-concealed secrets. He was quick to threaten exposure of all their shameful deeds. Easton had a lot to be forgiven for, and this monk was taking a full advantage of that. Also, his presence commanded respect from the criminal elements of the town. He was quickly appointed Easton's criminal underworld leader. Working both sides, he gained even more power and wealth. Even seasoned robbers and murderers became fearful of crossing the holy man. He spent his days listening to confessions, his face like granite. When they would leave, criminals would scramble to follow his orders. He knew where money was kept and which shops were left unattended. With this information he obtained during these confessions, he could have carefully orchestrated the robberies. One day, though, the monk's avarice led him to commit the most heinous of crimes. It was during one of his weekly confessionals when he met with an elderly woman. She had deep wrinkles around her eyes and mouth, and her skin was pale ashen. Her hair was white and thin, and her back was hunched with age. The old woman had nothing to her name but a few coins she kept in her apron pocket. Yet the greedy monk still demanded his tribute for hearing her confession. Her dark eyes were filled with fear as he blocked the way out and held out his hand waiting for her to fill it, threatening her with eternal damnation. The old woman slowly shuffled through her small purse, counting out the few coins. She apologized for forgetting and promised to pay the total amount due to the monk. But his impatience was evident. His eyes darted around the room and his knuckles were white from clenching his fists. His breathing became fast and shallow as he waited for the old woman to finish counting out her coins. Unsatisfied and consumed by greed and his own power, rage flooded his body and he lashed out at the old woman, striking her with a fury that seemed bottomless. The old woman fell and struggled against him, but he was just too big. He ripped and tore at her frail body until, with a sickening crack, his fist slammed into her weak body repeatedly until she finally lay still on the ground. His chest heaved in and out with rage as he stood above her, covered in blood, as he did the evil deed. The monks in the monastery had taken a vow of silence, yet words still managed to spread around the town about the man's misdeeds. Citizens were outraged when they heard the news, and this became the final straw when the monks revealed what they had uncovered. After hours of searching his room, they found a hidden chamber filled with leather-bound journals and ledgers. It was clear from these books that the criminals in Easton had been engaged in a complex operation involving robbery and theft of the people of Easton. 
With this newfound knowledge, the townspeople held a meeting and decided to take action to end the corruption. The monk's crimes earned him a date with the executioner. He was escorted to the town square before the people he had betrayed. A noose was lowered and tightened around his neck as the charges were read off individually. For his last breath, he screamed out to the other monks in the monastery, asking for forgiveness and absolution, attempting to save his soul. The monks, however, stood in a circle deep within their chambers and far away from the scene of execution but none spoke a word for the monk. The crowd roared with applause and jeers as the trapdoor beneath him suddenly opened, sending him plummeting until he reached the end of his rope. It's the term and rope. Very much. The monk hung motionless from the noose. His body twitched a few moments, but then became limp and lifeless. Death, however is not the end of this tale. Oh, lovely. Now do you understand the unholy holy man? Yeah, it's crazy. Chapter 2, The Goblin Within As the crowd watched in horror, the monk's dead body suddenly started to jerk and convulse. The hangman's noose dug deep into his neck, twisted to the side after being broken. Spittle formed from his lips, eyes bulging in agony. No one moved. No one spoke. Everyone was focused on the man. No one wanted to believe that the evil monk who had held their town under his thumb for so long was able to defeat death. In a single moment, their lives changed irrevocably. Curiosity soon took hold despite their trepidations, and some of the brave souls stepped closer to get a better look at this miracle. As they did so, they noticed that although the figure on the gallows had stopped moving, its eyes changed and became strangely yellow and deep, as if they stared back from beyond the grave. The monk's body trembled again, and this time, there was a reverberating crunch of bone on bone, filling the air as a transformation began. The once man contorted, and the people could do nothing but stare on. The monk's dead lips curled into a menacing sneer as his eyes narrowed in anger. Two long ivory tusks grew and protruded from the sides of its nose, giving an otherworldly and beastly look to the man. Its once normal face had been transformed into something unrecognizable and gruesome. His previously neat brown hair was now long, black, and greasy, with an oily sheen. His teeth had changed from average to rows of jagged points, with two oversized pointed canines protruding from his mouth. The sharpness of the canines gave the creature a menacing, monstrous look. This goblin monk, 
stared at the crowd from his noose with citrine orbs that shone with an unworldly power. As rays of sunlight hit his skin, it seemed to glow with a sickly green light. The feet had become twisted and gnarled with long talons curling from the ends of his toes. The claws were razor sharp, glinting in the sunlight as if made of metal. The monk's feet had turned into weapons that could easily tear flesh and bone. He grabbed the sides of his frock and with an anguished howl ripped it from his body. The coarse linen fell away to reveal a naked but grotesquely knotted torso and arms covered in warts that seemed to pulse. He reached up to the rope that was wrapped around his neck and without any effort broke it. People screamed and scrambled away from the creature that stepped out of the gallows. His slimy, extremely long tongue shot outwards in what appeared to be a menacing gesture. Teeth were bared, and it emitted a low growl. The goblin's sound was like that of a guttural rasp, like a knife being dragged across broken pieces of glass, creating an eerie, dissonant sound that echoed through the air. It was a warning to all who heard it, a reminder of the creature's power and danger. Some of the men clenched their fists while others clutched hidden weapons. Still, no one had the bravery to draw them against the creature, not even when it was clear that they outnumbered the monster. Something about this goblin struck an unnatural fear into the hearts of all who looked upon it. It moved slowly and deliberately as it had a plan in mind. It seemed to be searching for something, though no one could guess what. The goblin monk's gaze swept across the faces of the gathered until he settled on an old man standing near the edge. The man tried to shrink back slightly as the gaze fixed upon him and his breath became labored. He knew what was coming next. The goblin would pay him for daring to witness his display of power. The goblin monk leaped forward with surprising speed and agility and grabbed the old man by his throat. He roared in rage as he felt his victim struggled under his grip. You will learn, he growled in a deep voice, too powerful for mortal ears. Your insolence will not go unpunished. The old man looked back into the monster's eyes and saw that this was still the monk who had terrorized the town. He was just now evil, outside as well as inside. It was as if the nature of the unholy man had now taken form, and the old man gasped in fear. This only served to anger the goblin even more, and he increased his grip on the poor old man's throat until he thought he might crush it entirely with one movement. Finally, after an eternity of terror, the monk released his captive with a grunt of satisfaction and stepped back from him. The crowd that was still there stared silently as they watched this strange exchange between predator and prey. The goblin then laughed and echoed through the town square. It was a high and shrill sound. 
He spun around to face the people, their eyes wide and his full of mirth. Then the deformed creature broke off and fled towards the shadows of the nearby forest, leaving a trail of mocking laughter in its wake, promising he would return. Mm. Kind of cool. Thank you. I said he's kind of cool, not you. I'm going to take whatever compliments I can get. Okay. Chapter 3. The Eastern Goblin Comes Home. The goblin monk had disappeared into the shadows of the trees, and his tracks seemed to vanish without any trace. A few of the bravest adventurers ventured deep into the forest armed with rifles, searching for the creature. Still, none ever returned with any news of success. And after a month of the monk's transformation, slowly but surely, the residents began to forget their fear and accept that what had happened was a mere illusion, caused possibly by the oppressive heat of the afternoon sun, the stress of living amongst such wickedness, and the execution of the monk. The remaining monks of the monastery silently returned to their duties. They went back to bowing and began reciting haunting chants, their voices echoing off the stone walls, while they tried to forget what had happened. The inhabitants of the town of Easton had stopped visiting the monastery for their services and confessions. It seems the scent of the incense, a typically a comforting presence, now filled the people with dread as memories of the malicious monk lingered in their minds. They could no longer bring themselves to trust anyone associated with the monastery. The people of Easton paid little attention to the little building on the town's edge. Still, one entity remained filled with a desire to know more about the monastery and its dwellers. The Easton Goblin tiptoed through the halls of his former home, staying close to the walls and carefully stepping over the creaky floorboards. He knew every nook in the house and could anticipate any sudden changes that would give him away. His yellow eyes peeled for anyone who might hear him. He eventually arrived at the monastery's main chamber, where dust blanketed every surface, and he stared at the stillness for a long while, unsure of what to do next. It was at that moment that he heard a faint whisper from behind him, an eerie voice sending a chill down the creature's spine. He couldn't understand what it was saying, so he turned around and saw nothing but shadows. He was almost convinced that it was nothing more than his imagination, when suddenly he recognized the sounds of evening prayers. The creature crept through the hallways, his footsteps muffled by his newly formed padded feet. He paused when he spotted the silhouette of a lone monk kneeling before a low cot illuminated in the pale moonlight. The soft chant of prayers echoing off the bedroom walls, and the goblin could feel the presence of something more significant than himself, and it angered him. The creature moved without a sound, 
its shadows concealing it until it was right behind the unsuspecting man of God. Its claws were long and sharp, and with one swift motion they snaked around the man's neck, squeezing so tightly that he could feel the breath being cut off. The monk screamed for help, but the beast was too fast. The Eastern Goblin watched the horror as the monk struggled to break free from his grip, eyes wide with panic and face pale with fear. He felt a powerful surge of anger at the man and a sense of satisfaction once he was dead. The Goblin's claw-like hands wrapped around the limp body and with one powerful jerk it lifted the dead weight high into the air. Both he and his victim quickly disappeared into the darkness and out of the monastery. They returned to the depths of the forest with an unknown prize. As the morning sun crested the horizon, cries of shock and outrage resounded within the monastery walls. Fear gripped them as they knew what must have happened, and they pleaded with the people of Easton to protect them. Frustration and fear rose in the town, and the streets filled with citizens bearing pitchforks, scythes, and makeshift weapons. They formed an impromptu guard marching up and down the roads to ensure their homes stayed safe. But the calls for help to the monks went unanswered, and the monks were left alone to defend themselves against their former brother. Night after night, the Eastern Goblin appeared in the courtyard of his former home, cackling with rage and eyes blazing like molten gold. He would stalk the corridors of the monastery, seeking out those monks who he believed were responsible for his death and the damnation of his soul. In revenge, his gnarled claws scratched through the stone walls, and with every step, his hatred grew. Five more monks would lie in a heap on the ground over the next few weeks, their blood staining the stones of the monastery. Silence hung heavy in the air as the goblins surveyed its work with glee. With a collective gasp, the remaining monks broke into action, some sprinting to the gates and others scattering in different directions, desperate to escape before they became the goblins' next victim. They would flee to other parts of the country, and slowly their home was left abandoned to fall into ruin. The Eastern Goblin was said to have taken over the ruins of the building, as he wanted to return to his former home, his seat of power. The town avoided the building until, over time, it vanished, hoping that the monk-turned-monster had disappeared with the ancient building of stone. Vanished? Well, no one was upkeeping the monastery, so bit by bit it fell into disrepair. And in fact, they can't locate where the building was at this point. Uh -huh. So there wasn't really much left to it. And the townsfolk, bitter at the monks not protecting them from one of their own, kind of let it fall to crap and disappear. Right. And with it, the Eastern Goblin seems to have disappeared. That's a pretty cool story. Good bedtime story. Something for the October spooky season. 
Now, there haven't been any modern sightings, and the original location of the monastery is lost to time, so it's hard to say where the Eastern Goblin is at this point. Is he real? Is he a figment of imagination of the monks and the townsfolk? Or is there a place where a few scattered stones of the original monastery still stand and the creature known as the Eastern Goblin still cackles, wanting revenge. I think if he was still there, he would have done something. Well, that is true. I guess we'll have to keep our eyes open for any occurrences in the eastern Pennsylvania area. (laughs) But before we go, I want to remind everyone that we are on social media and would love to hear your stories and opinions about the Eastern Goblin. You can reach us on our Facebook page, Within the Mist Podcast, and on Instagram. We have an email at withinthemistpodcast at gmail.com for any of you who would like to share your own tales and stories. We hope you enjoyed our tale of the Eastern Goblin, and we'll come again for another episode. Until then, explore those dark, shadowy places and remain constantly curious. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye.